That was, uh, that was almost, Mark, the way I showed you guys before the service when we were working on it, but out of work. Lonnie, thanks, man. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate that. Grab your Bibles and uh, turn to the book of Joshua. For the next several weeks, we're going to be studying a fantastic book in the Old Testament where God shows himself faithful and strong. And you know, I realize that as we gathered for church this morning, every one of us, we've got challenges. We want to be God's people. We want to make things better. We want to see things happen in God's kingdom. We want to rebuild houses that are destroyed in tornadoes. We want to rebuild families. We want to overcome addictions. We want to finish high school well. We want to start college well. We want to see our marriages healed. We want our Sunday school groups to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. We're here today because we believe that the world that we touch and taste and see and experience with our flesh is not all that there is. We're here today because we believe that there's a sovereign God, invisible and over all things. We believe that His name is the greatest glory and that His ends are the chief purpose of the world. We are here today because we believe that there is a good and loving God that is guiding our lives. And we want to be faithful to Him. And every person in this church today knows what that would mean in their life this week. And it's probably different for all of you. Everyone here knows what your next great challenge is if you're going to be the person God wants you to be. Maybe you're learning your prayer life. You're developing a prayer life for the first time in your life. Maybe you're learning to share your faith and you've never done it. Maybe God has given you somebody in your family that you're supposed to minister to and share kindness to to show God's compassion to them. I have no idea. But what I do know is that everyone in this sanctuary has a great next step right in front of them. And if we're going to see God work great things all around us, we're going to have to become strong and courageous. We're going to have to learn to depend on the Spirit of God and move with Him. In the book of Joshua, we have a story of God's mission, God's people. And today as a church, we're going to explore that together. But before we start in the text of Joshua, I want to pray with you. I just want to pray and ask that God might bless you and me in whatever our next big step is. So would you bow your heads and submit your heart to the Lord? Father, we've gathered as your family under the banner of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Our sins are forgiven because of your work. We're adopted into your family because of your love extended to us through Jesus. Father, we don't fear our death because we know that you will raise us and we'll live in your kingdom. But God, as we stand here belonging to you, we confess we want to see you use our lives for your purposes. We want your name to grow great. We want your church to grow around the world. Father, we want to see people realize how good you are. God, we long for a day that your name is not mocked on any street corner or any corner of the globe. And Father, until that day, I pray you'd help our generation to be faithful. God, that we'd serve you with courage and strength. Lord, I know that everyone here today has a calling from you. And whatever our next great step is for you, a step of repentance, a step of forgiveness, a step of leadership, God, whatever you're calling us to today so that we can be faithful in you, I ask God that your spirit would stir, that you would stir up our hearts and grant us courage, that you speak to us, 
that you would move in us. God, as we walk out the doors on a mission for you in just a few moments, that you would move through us and we would learn to trust your strong hand. I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. In Joshua chapter 1, you find the people of Israel in a pretty precarious spot. I mean, this is something they've been waiting for all their lives, but it's probably something that also terrifies them. Almost 500 years ago, God came to their forefather Abraham and picked him out. He said, Abraham, I'm going to do something really special. I know that after the Tower of Babel, the nations were filled with babbling people, each one making up stories of the God that made us, corrupting the story of the Garden of Eden and a loving God who has a purpose for your life. Well, Abraham, I want to shine a light to the nations. I want to redeem this world, and I'm going to use you, Abraham. I'm going to use your family. Abraham was faithful to God, and God made him a promise. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you descendants, and he did. They got into Egypt, and they multiplied. I'm going to give you land, the promised land. They didn't own any land, but nearly 500 years later, we stand with Joshua and with the people of Israel ready to enter the promised land. A promise from God that has been growing for nearly 500 years. It's on the verge of being completed in their lifetime. Like this is their moment. But what will it mean? Forty years ago, the spies told us that the people of the land were like giants. Forty years ago, they, they told us that they had cities with great walls. and We can see Jericho. We, we know what's in the land. So we're excited and we're terrified. And in the midst of that, God says, be strong and courageous. Do you remember when you used to ride a little tricycle? You might not, but I bet somebody in your family did. You remember those? Tri- I mean, a tricycle is a terrifying, terrifying vehicle. Toes, every toe is in jeopardy. And it's summertime, you're in flip-flops, and if there's a three-year-old on a tricycle, watch out, guard yourself, guard yourself. Because those nails that you just got done this week, they're not going to be blue and pastel in just a minute. They're going to be chipped and broken because some terrifying three-year-old on a tricycle is about to run right over them. I love tricycles, but I love bicycles. And as a parent, it's kind of a fun moment when you look at your child and say, I think you're ready to ride a bicycle. And they're nervous. They're scared to take their next big step. And you, you get a smaller one than this. This is Canon Joe's big old bicycle that he just got for Christmas recently. But you start them on a little small bicycle with training wheels. Raise your hand if you used training wheels at your house. I'm just curious. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I just need to know who skipped the training wheels. Are there daredevils in the room that just skipped the training wheels? <laughs> Y'all, I wish you'd seen Sue McKinley's hand grow and go, boom. But if you fall in the snow of Minnesota, it doesn't hurt. So that's the thing, you know, Minnesotans. So you tell the kid, you know, here's your bicycle, and he's scared. Well, I'm going to put training wheels on it. Okay, I'm ready. You get out there, and, I mean, you're, you're walking, you're holding it like this, and they're, they're going on their trike, you know, they're... They're, they're good to go, got the little training wheels on it. It's like a graduated tricycle now, you know. It's really a bicycle, but it's got training wheels. And then there comes the day, everybody. The day. Like the first test of your progress towards adulthood, right? Can we take the training wheels off? And now, I don't know if you're one of these parents, but I've taken them off and then put them back on and then taken them off and then put them back on, right? But there comes a day when you're going to get on that bicycle and dad or mom are going to hold that seat, and they're going to walk like this, and you're going to start pedaling, and they're going to let go, and you're going to feel wobbly, and there's no training wheels to catch you. 
Now, in our family, when we come to moments like these, what we tell our boys is, be strong and brave. Skippers are strong and brave. Trust the Lord and be strong and brave. Because we know that if they're going to follow God for the rest of their life, they've got to start learning in the small things to be strong and brave because you cannot follow God from here until eternity without becoming strong and brave. Do you remember that step, that next big step? When you didn't know if you could do it, but your parents said, let's just trust me, just do it. Well, I'm challenging us as a church family. Take your next big step. Like, believe that God can do it. I know you're looking up and you're saying, man, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm, I'm 15, I'm 17. It's not cool if you're a teenager. You're too busy if you're a college student. You're setting your ways if you're a grand, grandparent. I know that we've got a thousand reasons to not let God do a new work in our heart, but let Him. What if He does? What if you let God do the next great thing in your life? What if you let Him draw you deeper into your heart? What if you let Him lead you to the next risk, to the next moment, to the next leadership, to the next yes, to the next obedience to the Spirit of God. What would your life look like if you said yes to Him, strong and courageous, and let Him lead you? Well, let's learn from Joshua as we call ourselves into that. Verse 1, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I want to talk about the mission of God for a minute. Moses is dead. God is speaking to Joshua, and he says, I want you to cross over into the land. In God's great mission, he's promised a promised land. Jesus is going to die on a hill outside the city of Jerusalem in a promised land that has a long history of God's activity. For God to bring the redemption of all the world, first he wants to bring his people into this particular land. So he says, Joshua, it's your job, it's time. I want everybody here to feel the weight of the words, Moses was dead. Because, because you see, just over 50, 40 years ago, we were slaves in Egypt. We were making bricks. Our backs were beaten. We were, done, we were doing as we were told. We didn't have to be strong. We didn't have to be courageous. We just had to make bricks. And then Moses came in and started to speak about this God that loved us and wanted us back. And then plagues came from the heavens and the gods of Egypt were brought to their knees, an empire decimated, Pharaoh crushed. We went to bed slaves and we woke up the people of God. We marched through the Red Sea, we watched chariots drowned. We went to the foot of Mount Sinai and we saw a mountain quake and thunder as a holy God came to meet with people. As he established for himself a nation. But that was all at the hands of Moses. When we were starving, we said, we don't have anything to eat. Moses called bread from the sky. Quail flew in and just laid there for us. Water from a rock. Victory after victory after victory at the hands of the shining face of Moses, the prophet. And Moses is dead. 
And Joshua has to look up and say, can I, can I do this? Am I capable of the next great step? You are capable of the next great step in the mission of God. Here's one thing we need to realize about the mission of God is God is moving forward. It doesn't depend on Moses. It doesn't depend on Joshua. It depends on generation after generation after generation of brothers and sisters who will say yes to God and move in His Spirit and discover that the secret to living out the mission of God is that we move forward with the Spirit of God, that He is the strong one. He is the wise one. He is the one acting to save. We're not making our names great. We're making his name great. The challenge for Joshua was to take the promised land. We have to cross a river. We have to bring down Jericho. We have to divide up the land and and defeat tribe after tribe after tribe of pagans. And before the battle is over, we'll see walls crumble We'll see 36 of our own men slaughtered for our own sin. We'll see hailstones fall from the sky and decimate our enemies. Before Joshua has finished, we will see the mighty hand of God move in a thousand ways to accomplish the mission of God. That was Joshua's calling. And he and his people, for them to live out the mission of God, they had to say yes and cross the Jordan. What about us? In our day, the mission of God is very clear. Jesus Christ met with his disciples after his resurrection and before his ascension. And he said, listen, all authority on heaven and earth, it's been given to me. So I'm telling you, go make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's a great commission. And every believer in the sanctuary today lives out that mandate. Now what does it look like for us to live the great commission today? For us to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For us to learn all the things that Christ taught and to spread that around the world. What does it look like to be shaped into the image of Jesus and to make new creation all around our feet as the Spirit of God works through our obedience? What does it look like for you? Well, the mission of God, the next big step for you as we try to live in the land where God lives, as we try to live in the place where God is making a name for himself, the next big step for you, I don't know, it might be repentance. It might be, it might be that you're battling right now because you know you drink too much, and if you honestly, if you could get alcohol out of your house, you know it would bless your children. You know that it would save your marriage, and that step seems insurmountable to you. Or maybe... Maybe in a moment of clarity, God has shown you that you've become so encrusted. You're a religious person, you're in church, you're faithful, but you've become such a legalist. Your heart has gotten so hard. You don't feel the mercy and grace of Jesus anymore. You can't remember the last time you really forgave someone when it mattered. And maybe your next great step in the mission of God is for you to extend forgiveness. And you feel like, wow, God may could bring the walls of Jericho down, but I am not sure that he can bring down the walls in my heart because they are strong. Maybe it's saving your marriage. Maybe at year 20, it seems like it would just be easier to shake hands and part ways and let the kids go to Christmas in two places, but you feel like God is telling you to, to fight for your marriage. You don't know how to do that. Maybe God's moving you. Maybe, maybe like a lot of families in our church... You've done a great job following Jesus. He's watched over you. You're graduating high school. You're about to launch out onto the mission field. You're about to go out to college, and you are faced with the same decision every young adult is faced with. 
when you leave home, when you come out from under the umbrella of mom and dad and their faith, when you find yourself and stand on your own two legs at Southern Miss or in Oxford or in Starkville or wherever God sends you, are you going to follow Jesus and make a difference at that campus? Or are you going to, are you going to become part of the status quo? What is your next great challenge on the mission of God? Because he wants you to make disciples at that college, in your household, at your workplace, in your family, in our church. That's the mission of God, and he's calling you into it. Do we have the strength and the courage to let him do it? One of the things that was going to be central in this command as Moses died and Joshua prepares the people to go and live in the land was that they need to recognize who they were as the people of God. And so do we. We need to recognize it. Let's, let's stop and read for just a, a few moments. I want to read in verse 5 and following. And I want you to understand as I read about Joshua's situation and then we talk about ours. I want you to understand how special it is that you belong to God. Let's read. No one will ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. I'm going to stop right there. What Joshua understands is that God is always with him. He's got a job to do. He's supposed to lead these people, and so are you. There are children in your household, grandchildren for you, neighbors across the street, co-workers at your workplace, people you employ. There are people you're going to serve this week, and God is calling us to invest in them and watch them follow Him, to build them up, to raise them up, to be the great commission people, to be disciples of Jesus. Can we be faithful in the task? And the first thing that that Joshua learns as he's trying to lead these people, just like you're trying to lead these people to know the Lord, is that God tells Joshua that if you're going to be successful in this next great step, you need, you need to know the commands that I gave Moses. You need to know who I am as God, and you need to be willing to make me Lord. And it means something. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but when I read that verse and I saw that God told Moses that if you follow these commands, you'll be successful wherever you go. I, I don't know how that registers for you. When I was young, I would have, I would have kind of turned my head sideways. I would, I would have thought, wait, I thought the commands of God were burdensome. And there were just this list of heavy rules that make it hard to measure up in God's eyes. But here Joshua is telling the people, or Joshua's being told by God to tell the people that if you'll follow these commands, God will bless you as you move forward. So I want you to understand the commands of God, they're not here to be burdensome. They're here to shine a light for your feet. They're here to protect you and to bless you. And I'm not talking about wealth and money and prosperity. I'm talking about this. You've got one life to live. And there are plenty of opportunities for you to get hurt in it. But if you follow the commands of God, He'll spare you a ton of foolish ones. If you follow the commands of the Lord, He'll protect you. He'll keep you out of a lot of relationships you didn't need to be in, friendships that would have hurt you. 
He'll keep you out of some business deals that you should have never made. He'll keep you from worshiping money and watching your own empire crumble around you. He'll guard your heart. The commands of God, they're a pathway for you and a blessing. They're not here to curse you. God delights in you. He made you and then gave you commands because he enjoys you. And he wants you to enjoy him. So the first thing that Joshua learned about being the people of God is that this God who was always with them, he had taught them about his own character in the law. And he invited them to walk in it. And I'm inviting you to walk in God's character, walk in his law. Verse 8, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything that is written in it. And then you'll be prosperous and successful. College students, as you move off to the dorm at Jones or you head down to Popperville or wherever it is you're going, I want to tell you that the best advice that I can give you is to stay close to the Lord when you go. And one of the best ways I know for you to do that is to know Him by studying His Scriptures. And so I want to tell you that if you're a college student or a young adult today, and you've never worked out a habit in your life of trying to study the Bible for yourself, you hear it from the sermons, you get it from a Sunday school teacher, you heard some stories at your bedside when your parents were raising you, but you have never matured into the habit of reading the Scripture for yourself, learning directly from God by His Spirit in the Scriptures. I want to encourage you, it's going to be hard for you to live in the land. It will be difficult for you to be true to the Spirit of God. If you don't seek God in His Word. And so, you know, as I'm telling our college students that, like I know that it'll make a big difference to you. If you go off, when you go off to college next year, if you go off and you're studying the Scriptures and building your life on it, I know it'll bless you. That blessing is just as true for the 50-year-olds in the room, for the 40-year-olds in the room. We need to know the Word of God if we're going to be faithful to it. This is part of what it is to be the people of God. Verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you. So God's telling us he'll never leave you. He's telling you to obey his commands, to meditate on his law, to be his people and to know your God. But all throughout this story, almost as if it's like a motto or a chant or a cheer or a slogan, there is this phrase that recurs, be strong and courageous. I want to talk to you about that. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses told Joshua before he died, I need you to be strong and courageous as you lead this people. After Moses walks out, God speaks to Joshua and says, Joshua, I need you to be strong and courageous in Deuteronomy 31. In Joshua chapter 1, just a few pages later, verses 6, verses 7, verse 9. Be strong and courageous, God tells Joshua. In fact, it becomes such a mantra that as Joshua's having a big meeting with three of the tribes, three of the twelve, they say back to him in verse 18, Joshua, we just need to be strong and courageous. It's almost like strong and courageous became the mantra 
as they walked into the promised land, as they put their feet in the Jordan River, praying it would part, as they walked around Jericho, blowing horns, praying they would crumble, as they faced one enemy after the other after the other, trying to realize the vision that God had given them, it is almost as if be strong and courageous was the words that were echoing in their ear, because this was the voice of God. And if you read the book of Joshua, you learn a treasure, that as you and I are trying to be the people of God, as you and I are trying to engage the mission of God, as we're trying to flood the pine belt with the glory of God, as we're trying to love our neighbors and not be content in the status quo, this command to be strong and courageous, it is rooted theologically in the strength and the character of the God that loves you. Whether he calls you to die a martyr or whether he makes you a successful business person. He's whispering into your soul, be strong and courageous and follow me. All around the globe, our brothers and sisters are hearing the voice of God, be strong and courageous. Whether you're called to martyrdom or parenthood, to take a stand at work, or just to make a different kind of a midlife moment, where you finally give yourself to the Lord. Maybe God's calling you to live on mission for the first year in your life, right here in the Pine Belt. Maybe God is telling you that it's, it's on you to see one person baptized into His name because of your witness and your investment and your engagement in their life. Maybe He's telling you not just to bring your kids to church, but to form in their heart a love and a faith that is viable and living and active, to show them this God that loves them, to shepherd their soul. Whatever God's commanding you and whispering in your ear, be strong and courageous, you need to know that that call to courage, it is based not in your ability and it's not in your strength. That command to courage is based in the character of the God that loves you. Horns didn't bring Jericho down. God did. Priestly feet didn't stop the waters of Jordan. God did. All through the book of Joshua, you see this pattern. God says, do something. They put faith in his voice, and then he moves. And I need us to understand that as we venture off into living in the land, and as you try to be faithful to the next great step God gives you, and you're afraid, and you're not sure if you're up to it, and you think you're not religious enough, or you don't have the right background for it, no, be strong and courageous. And it's not because of you. It's because God said, I will never leave or forsake you. You'll never be alone. I wonder what does be strong and courageous look like for you? I remember the ritual really, really well. Any one of the three, you just put them on the bike seat and you get out in the yard and I know they can do it. We've been riding bikes for a long time. I know you can ride a bike. I've seen people ride bikes before. I've ridden bikes before. But for that small child sitting on that wobbly seat, they, they have no idea if this is going to sink or swim. Is this going to be a skint knee or a broken collarbone? Will this really work? The secret is that as dad... I know that it will. If you'll do what I'm telling you to do, I know that it will work. And there's another secret. 
Kids, you may not know this because you're too busy holding, squeezing those white knuckle handlebars, making sure you pedal with both feet and trying to figure out when to jump off. You may not know it, but if you've been able to stop and turn around, you've seen that your mom or your dad were holding the seat right behind you. You didn't fall because they were holding your bike. And I think, that, I think that that's what life with God is like. You're scared of the next thing. You can't overcome this addiction. You can't fix your family. You can't, you can't lead somebody to the Lord. You can't witness. You just want to hide in your shell and go a status quo because it's too scary. And God says, be strong and courageous. And he knows the secret. He knows that the secret is that he's holding you up the whole time. He knows that the secret is that he's there. You're not strong enough. But he is. And when believers look at God and say, we cannot, what we don't know is that we're saying to him, is, I doubt you, I don't know that you're strong enough for me. And if we're going to be a church that will bring glory to God in the land that we live, if we're going to be filled with members that disciple our kids and bring the loss to Jesus Christ, we've got to understand that we're not trusting our ability to pedal. We're trusting a God whose hands are strong enough to hold you up. And if you skin your knee or break your shoulder or if you ride that bike from here until glory comes, you have a very loving Father who knows exactly what He's doing and He is strong enough to deliver you. And I just want to ask you today, what is your next great step in God's mission? And are you willing to take it today? For some of you, you know that you're far from God and you've never asked God to save you. You've never asked for your sins to be forgiven. You've seen people baptized, but you weren't sure what that meant. But you know that you've never come to a moment where you stopped and said, God, here's me. Forgive me for my sins, please. I pick you. You are my new king and I'm following you forever. I just want to ask you, are you ready for that today? Is there anybody here in the sanctuary today? That as we sing in just a moment, you're ready to give your life to the Lord now and for the rest of your life. If you are, there's no magical words. It's very, very simple. In just a moment, when I start to pray, you pray. Ignore me. And you pray and you just simply ask God to save you. And you mean what you say. Make a decision that you're giving Him your life. We'll celebrate baptism and make your confession public. And you follow the Lord now and forever. But what about the rest of us? Is God calling you to a next great step? Well, why would we wait? Why, what's wrong with today? Why wouldn't we say today, yes, Lord, I'll do it. If that's you and you know exactly what that thing is, I have no idea. Then as we sing and begin to respond to the songs we've already sung and begin to respond to the sermon you've heard and the scriptures that we read and the prayers that we prayed, you simply say yes to God. And for some of you... You may want to come up and tell me or one of our other staff members what God's doing in your heart. We want to celebrate with you and pray for you. You may want to come pray at the altars. They're open for you. Or you may simply stand right there and pray to God in private. But I'm asking every person, don't leave the sanctuary today without allowing God to bring strength and courage for your next step. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks for this church family. I deeply delight in them. And God, I know that you treasure them more than I ever will. 
But God, today I intercede on our behalf, and I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move in us and through us. Father, I know that the strength of your hand has not stopped with history. Joshua's generation was not the last that would feel you and sense you and move on your mission. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts today. God, I pray that you would deliver today, that you would give courage today and hope today. God, that your spirit would refresh and restore today. God, I pray that you would bring the lost into salvation, that brothers and sisters could be adopted into your family this morning. And God, I pray that as the days come and go, that you'll give us as a church the courage to live on your mission in this land. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask for that. Amen.